Hi everyone, welcome back to Forever Yours. My name is Robin and it is currently 2.50 p.m. Funny, I tried to record this at 2 a.m. last night because I couldn't sleep, but the video version of it was just terrible. So yeah, here we are doing it again. I just got back yesterday from my trip to Hawaii. I went to Maui to celebrate Micah and I's engagement anniversary. And quite honestly, it feels like just a blur. It feels like it didn't even happen. But I think that's what happens when you go somewhere alone and, you know, people think you're going to create memories. Except you're, you don't. Because <laughs> I think experiences, the people you spend your time with make experiences better and that's what makes the memories you know i'm glad i went but it just was not a good trip and i would be lying if i said it was good <laughs> but today i want to touch on the topic of why grief is more than just being sad there are just so many layers to losing a loved one hence why it can take years to process and to truly move forward People already don't talk about grief enough, so of course, outsiders aren't going to understand or think about what happens behind the scenes. So I'm going to break it down a little bit. Um, I'm going to talk about my early stages of grief and hope that if you are also in the grieving process that you can relate a little bit and just feel normal. So when you first find out whether you get a phone call or you unfortunately find your person or you're hand in hand with the person that is going to pass away. Your entire life is going to change and has changed. How can someone be here a minute ago and then just be gone? It's so hard for our brains to even comprehend death. I don't think I will truly ever come to understand it. You know, it just, it doesn't make sense. And that's a scary thing is we never know when we're going to go or when we'll lose somebody else. That's scary. And when you experience your first loss and it being such a big loss, it changes your entire perspective on life forever for the rest of your life. Micah was my first big loss, and I never thought that he would be the first person that I would lose that would affect me tremendously. I always thought it would be like, you know, the cycle of life, like losing grandparents and losing parents and losing people older than us. And then Micah passed away and it was just terrible. <laughs> Eye-opening, I guess, to a different side of life that I hadn't seen yet. When I found out that Micah passed away, I received a phone call and the first thing I said was, you're joking, right? Because <laughs> like I said, never in a million years did I expect to hear those words. So young, so soon, ever. I don't think it would have mattered if Micah was 70. I still wouldn't have ever expected to hear those words. It's words you never want to hear. And so after that, I had to make phone calls and say the words out loud. And that was also terrible. 
And then after that, I had to drive four hours out of town. And immediately, you know, you're an autopilot. I'm not sure how I drove four hours out of town, but I was definitely crying the entire time, but still have no idea what anything even means. It's like, it's like I want to call Micah and be like, hey, like I heard you're dead. Uh, what the fuck? What do I do? <laughs> and I'm just laughing about it because I'm like, this is like me coping. It's really not funny at all, but it's, I still have moments in time when I'm like, I just want to call Micah and ask him like, what do I do? Or this and this, like, um, yeah. So going into like autopilot and shock that lasts for months and months. I don't think I'm so much in shock anymore. It's been, so it's been 10 months, almost 11. And I'm not so much in shock, just more like I still have days where I say to myself that I can't believe this is my life and this is our lives and Micah's gone and it's surreal. And I think it'll always feel like that because when we lose our partners, we lose our entire future, right? It's like, it is like we died too. It is. So after being out of town for a couple of days with Micah's family, I knew I had to go back to our home to pack stuff because I knew I wasn't going to stay in that town. I remember driving back and getting to the front door and just like, you kind of move slow. The world feels like, like it has stopped. Like it's like you're moving in slow motion. And I remember going in the house and I'm just like, I have no idea what to do or what's going on. Or just, it's just like, my eyes are just wide open. Like, okay, what are the next steps? What do I do next? This is crazy. And so it's just shock, pretty much. That's the best way to put it. It took two and a half weeks for me to start having nightmares. And those nightmares just being Micah passed away in my dreams. And then I'd wake up and realize that my nightmares was my reality. That was the worst you can't get away from your reality while you're sleeping. But it it was super unfortunate, but I think I needed those dreams to help me process in real life. Because I think having dreams is the closest you can feel to reality, if that makes sense. This afternoon when I was finally getting up and starting my day, I slept in super late, I decided to play lo-fi girl on youtube and listening to lo-fi girl was something that i pretty much did every morning for the four weeks that i was in our home before i moved i had like the same routine because it's i think it's good to stick to routines in the super early stages of grief so i'd wake up early every morning i would put lo-fi girl on on youtube i would order or I would walk down the street to the coffee shop and I would get a chorizo breakfast burrito and an iced Americano. And those were the three things that I did pretty much every single day. And then during the day, I would watch MasterChef. And that was really the only show that I watched the entire time. But putting Lo-Fi Girl on, I don't do it as often anymore. But I do sometimes just for background music. And it always takes me back to 
the, the super early couple of weeks after Micah passed away. And it's like this weird, sad, but comforting feeling of not knowing how hard the grief was going to get. Music making you feel nostalgic in a way and and just takes you back to, well, it took me back to kind of being like, okay, frozen. And like I said, not knowing how much worse the grief could get. And the honest truth is grief gets a lot worse before it starts to get any better. And I still don't feel like it, it's gotten, quote, better. Sometimes it is easier to get through the day, but it hasn't gotten better. I'm still, like, asking myself, like, what am I doing with my life? What the heck is going on? I don't want to do anything. I don't want to think about my future. I don't care about work. I don't care about money. Because the idea and thought of even living a life without Micah is terrible and sad and depressing and I don't want it. <laughs> I see and the difference between me and so many other people is I have seen some widows that still have goals and still want to have kids and still want to get married and I think that is fantastic for them but for me I don't crave any of that. I don't have any specific goals or things that I want. I don't. Maybe I will get to that at some point in the future, but I literally don't care about anything other than my cats. And yes, I do care about my small business, but that's because that's, it's a great distraction. And, and I love connecting with people that are also grieving and giving them like a safe space. But aside from that, I don't care about anything else. So now the shock starts to wear off sometimes. There will be days where it's like, oh, you'll be in shock. Or I like to say dissociating for a week. And then for the next two days, it just hits you like a truck. And that's when you kind of start panicking. And I deal with anxiety myself. And so anxiety on top of grief, on top of depression, it's just a lot. It's a lot. And when you realize that that old part of you, that old life that you shared with someone special is gone, it just is gut-wrenching. And going back to the whole point of this about grief is more than just being sad, I think outsiders like for example, I share my grief and I share mainly more of the negative sides to grief. I mean, I don't think there are positives, if I'm being honest. But I share the negative sides to grief that people don't talk about enough. And so when when people that haven't experienced grief see that, then they think like, oh, you just you just want to be like a sad girl. You choose to be stuck and you choose to not let go of him and stuff and and the whole point of me sharing my early stages of grief right now is to see or to show people how complicated it is. It's a lot, a lot of emotion, stress, trauma to deal with. It's not just sadness. It's a lot. 
you not only grieve the person, you grieve your life, your future, your special relationship and partnership that you share. Doing life alone is so hard, especially in this economy, especially around people that are just terrible people. It's not easy at all. And there are so many questions you ask yourself while dealing with the grief. It's just, why? How did this happen? How could God let this happen? How could the universe let this happen? Why did this happen to me? Life is so unfair. What do I do? There's so many questions that you ask yourself every single day, 24-7. But outsiders only see that, oh, she just looks sad. Do something that makes you happy move forward. He'll want you to be happy. All of those things that people say that they think it has a positive effect on you, but it's more so negative. The main thing that I feel like a lot of people struggle with that are grieving is just constantly feeling invalidated. Constantly. We don't need advice. We don't need you to say anything. We don't need you to make us feel better because you can't. Can you bring our person back? No. So even trying to make someone feel better with the words you say that are very not effective <laughs> does not do anything. I think people just need to listen and learn, offer a hug, and offer support without offering advice. By offering support, I just mean like it's so easy to say like, oh, if you want to talk about it, I'm here. If not, that's okay too. I'll just sit here with you and we can watch a TV show. We can take a walk on the beach. We can do whatever you want to do. We can do nothing. Doing nothing is better than saying something that invalidates the person grieving. People really need to start learning how to listen just to listen and learn, like I said, without having to listen to respond. So in the early stages of grief, while you're dealing with this all on your own or, you know, with family, but sometimes even family doesn't understand what you're going through. So dealing with your own personal grief and emotions, you have friends and family and strangers also wanting the answers to all of the questions. How did he die? How did this happen? What the heck? Why? But what they don't get is you're still trying to figure that out for yourself too. People tend to forget that sometimes people have to wait for autopsy results. Everyone's loss is so different. Yes, sometimes people are in accidents. Sometimes people know they're sick. But other times, people don't know how this happened. And for you to just assume that they have all the questions or the, all the answers to your questions is really selfish. I came to that conclusion earlier when I was making breakfast. I said to myself... It really is just a selfish question when people ask, oh my gosh, how did he die? Especially if you didn't know the person and only knew about him 20 seconds ago because I told you, right? It is selfish because you immediately asking that question is asking the person to share their trauma and to relive it and to give you details when it's already so hard for them. And it's selfish because you want to know. You're curious. How is knowing how someone died going to make you feel better or going to help you in any way? 
and people, this is such a controversial topic and I can talk about this forever and ever and I will probably talk about this in at least every other podcast episode. It's hard to talk about how people died. Sometimes people don't want to talk about it. It takes a lot of energy and we already don't have energy and we need to conserve all of our energy that we have. Whether you're waiting for autopsy results or not, you still try to replay every single thing that happened past present to figure out how this person and why this person has passed away. I had to work through a lot of stuff within myself to not focus so much about little details because at the end of the day, it doesn't change the outcome. And I had to work on, I guess, I never felt like overwhelmed with guilt, but I have like some days where, you know, you do experience that emotion. But I know that a lot of people grieving deal with a lot of guilt for a really long time. And I know it's easier said than done, but I always just try to tell people that you did the best you could in the circumstances that you had. You didn't know that death was coming. No one knows. So try to be go easy on yourself and try to not be so hard on yourself because you're already experiencing the hardest thing that you could go through, which is losing a loved one. There's no need to add on even more terrible feelings. It's not going to bring them back, unfortunately. When you lose a person that you love, the world just goes quiet. It's like quitting something cold turkey. I remember the day after Micah passed away, I, you know, I knew I wasn't going to get a text from him, but it's weird not to because he would text me every morning before work when he was out of town. Like I said earlier, I still have days where I just want to call and talk to Micah. Obviously, it's quite impossible to talk to him on the phone. Uh, wouldn't that be cool if we could just have one phone call a month or something? Like, come on. How hard? Like, that's not too much to ask, is it? <laughs> I don't think it is. And now, the, all the layers to grief is what what I talked about is just pretty much the first four weeks. That's a lot in the first four weeks, right? So after four weeks, I moved back to my hometown, to my parents' house, and then that's a whole nother, I, I'm going to call it like a, my next step to my grief process or grief journey. You know, being somewhere where you never thought you would come back to is just, I can't think of any words other than terrible. So if I use the word terrible too much, I'm sorry, but it is really just terrible and it sucks. It sucks. Because before Mike passed away, we actually only got to live together for one year. Literally one year on the dot. Micah passed away May 2nd. I believed I moved in with him May 3rd or 4th. So we really only got one year of living together. Which is unfortunate. And so when you move back to where you just were a year ago, sometimes it feels like, wow, I was just on a vacation and feels like it didn't happen. Like... It just disappeared. It's just the worst feeling ever. You know, no amount of time would have been enough 
with Micah. It doesn't matter if we were together for 40 years or for two years. No amount of time in the world would have been enough. Because it doesn't hurt any more or any less. It just hurts. You know, all the months in between your first year all just blend together. And it goes by quick. The days are long, but the months go by fast. So reflecting back on my first year, it'll be one year on May 2nd. So in about a month and a half, which is always crazy to say out loud. This is a lot. And it's so funny to me how people just think you can just process and move forward so quickly. There's no book that we can read about grief to tell us how to do it exactly the way we're supposed to. And I think people speak on their own life experiences and are very close-minded. And I think people should learn how to be more open-minded and just, I always talk about like showing compassion and learning compassion and choosing kindness. Because how can you go And tell someone how to feel when you have no idea what they've gone through or how their relationship was. I always say that if you've never met your soulmate, the person for you, the person that you know you would have spent the rest of your life with and would have been happy, no toxicity, just a healthy partnership, respect, and love. If you haven't ever had that person in your life... You have no idea what it feels like to lose them. And no, I'm not talking about a breakup. Yes, breakups are hard, but they're different. You do get over a breakup, or maybe some people don't. But when it comes to death, you don't get over a death. You don't move on from it. You don't let this person go. This person, Micah, is with me in everything I do, in whatever I do, everywhere. He's probably sitting here right now, (laughs) laughing with me now. And so it's just different. And I think people need to recognize that there are different levels to pain and it's not a competition. It's not, but it's just different. Everyone's pain is different. And if we can just respect it and let people feel how they need to feel, that's how you truly process your grief. And that's how you take steps to moving forward. You don't take steps moving forward by suppressing your grief and never feeling all the shitty emotions. But it's funny because that's what society wants you to do. Life is weird and hard and heartbreaking. I guess I'll just end this episode with telling people what I always tell is just don't ever let anyone tell you how to grieve. You can feel however you need to feel, however you want to feel for however long. I know that I will talk about Micah for the rest of my life, whether I live five years or 20 years longer. I don't know. We don't know. We don't know. But I will always, always talk about Micah. And he's always a part of me. And death is inevitable. And if you haven't experienced that kind of love, I hope that you do one day. And you hold them tight. Anyways, thank you all for tuning in and I'll see you guys next time.